to be sweet and be blessed. In today's study, we're looking at three small principles that are actually quite large in expression. Originally, the title was TFO, but it became FTO, standing for the same words, just in a different order. Faith, trust, and obedience. Faith, trust, and obedience. These three elements, if we were to take them away, you'd be standing on absolutely nothing. But because we have a sure word of prophecy, we're able to stand on what God has said and receive from God directly what he wants us to have. Now, for those listening to the podcast or listening later, understand this as I'm saying this to you by the spirit of grace. God loves you. And he loves you the only way he knows how to love you, which is with everything. And even though there may be parts or portions that you may not intellectually understand, understand that which was just said, that the love of God reaches out to you as you are listening to draw you unto God, not unto a a human being or unto a, a facility, but unto God himself. And in that relationship, because it is a relationship that we have found, those of us who believe and have accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, that that relationship operates on these three principles, faith in God, trust in God, and obedience to God. Take away any one of those and you'll be standing, again, quite alone. Faith, the first word. Without this element, it is impossible to understand what God wants to give or wants us to give to him in the context of a relationship with him. This faith has to extend towards God in his person, his character. And at the back of that extension of faith towards God is this statement, that God has acted and will always act on your behalf. That's a, ma- um, a mighty statement, a major statement. And you who believe know that if I believe God only will act towards me for good, when things seem not good, you won't give up. You won't be discouraged. You won't stop. I've heard many, many persons say when they were in a, a human relationship, Oh, I wonder if he still loves me. Or I wonder if she still loves me. And we've seen on movies and read in books where the the main characters will look at each other and say, do you still love me? They're they're asking because they're unsure. Hmm. We can be sure, beloved. God always has and always will love us. Even if he is correcting us for something we have done wrong and deservedly so yet the love of God stands sure I have to I have to rest myself with that when I go through situations and things and trials and feel this that and the other this has to be resonating in my spirit I have 
faith that God has acted and will always act on my behalf. In the Bible, the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verses 1 to 3, says this. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report through faith. We understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that things which are seen were made or not made of things which do appear. Now, for those who've not read that passage before or are unfamiliar, the first thing I draw your attention to is that faith is actually a substance. That faith has its own particular properties, making it valid as a tangible thing. Faith is the substance of what is hoped for. Now, what is hoped for is not registered as visible or tangible. But the faith to see or to receive that thing hoped for is substantive. It is tangible. Faith itself, if you think of it as a deposit, if you think of it as a down payment, you say, I'm going to hold on to my faith towards a particular direction until I see or receive the manifestation of the thing I am hoping for. Faith creates the reality in the believer of the thing promised. Let me find an example for you. If I approach someone who's born again, I say to them, do you believe you're going to heaven? Do you believe that heaven is a real existing place? Or do you think it's an abstract or just an idea or a concept? Well, the Bible-believing Christian would say, no, I believe heaven is an actual destination. It's a real place. Well, what keeps you in the reality that that place is going to be there when you come out of this carcass, out of this earth suit, that you are going to go and enter into the presence of God or heaven? It is faith. I have faith that there is a heaven, and I have faith that I am on my way there. And I have faith if I were to die right now, I would be in the presence of God. Amen. That is a reality. If I said to you, do you have faith that your house is still where you left it this morning or this afternoon? You would say, of course it is. You would probably have more instant faith in that physical house being there than what I just said, the reality of heaven. Because a person says, well, I've been to the house. I know the house is there. I slept in the house last night. So now that I'm standing here, uh, I have no reason to believe that the house is not still over there where I left it. So they would say, I'm, I'm getting in my car or my truck or my, on my bike and I'm, I'm going back home. Why? Because I believe that there is something there. If you didn't think your house was going to be there, would you go back to it? You would just keep going in that direction. So if I actually believe in God and that there is a substantive place called heaven, I'm using the example again, I will live towards that hope. Let me say that again because that is a very key component. I will live 
towards the thing I am hoping for. Do you hope to be a different and a better person? Do you long to be a better Christian if you are a Christian? Do you long for a better life or at least to know the meaning of life if you're searching? Do you actually want the answers to the questions that you're asking? Then you would have faith in God towards the answer you are seeking. I am looking to be better in Christ. So faith, ladies and gentlemen, is a powerful key component. God made the world from what you cannot see. He designed it out of material that your eyes cannot behold. Yet, he made them. Hebrews 11.6 tells us, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. Let me stop right there before I read the rest. If you look at that first line, Without faith, it is impossible to please him. We go from calling faith something of substance that one, by uh, suggestion, should have, to now calling faith something that you must have. So if you were casually listening and saying, well, yeah, I, it's okay, I could have faith. No, we've moved the category now. We've moved from something you should have to something you must have. So then faith becomes what? Faith becomes an essential to the believer. You cannot follow God without faith. You cannot have relationship in God without faith. You cannot trust him. Now, the other things we will look at later, all of those are predicated on step one, having faith in God. It is impossible to please him for he that cometh to God must believe that he is. Not guess, not feel, not maybe, not oh, I, I kind of got a feeling that something may be out there in the ethosphere. Yeah, there may be something out there in the start. No, I must believe that God is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. People say, how do you know that God exists? Well, you could say, I am one of the ones he has found. Amen. And in him finding me, I have found him. I am one of the ones who have a real living relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. That's how I know God is real. I don't have to ask someone else. I can testify for myself through the faith in my heart and the relationship that I have with God, I know that he is real. Now from there, that from that necessity, I can proceed to pleasing God, doing what God wants me to do. Can you imagine trying to please God without faith in him? Mm. You would have what's called religion. Mm. You would have what's called religion. Religion doesn't require faith. Re religion requires acting out on a set of principles, rules, guidelines, uh, recipes, formulas, habits, 
You put your mat down, you put the beads around your neck, you burn a candle. Those rituals surrounding religion require no faith, just observance. Huge difference. We must have faith, ladies and gentlemen, in God. The second word, trust. I like the, the image displayed there of the person falling back with their arms folded without a care in the world because they have so much trust that the person standing behind them is going to catch them. Matter of fact, this example that you see on the screen is actually used in some what they call team building meetings I've attended. I've seen this exercise and you pair up in twos and you judge your distance from yourself to your partner and you take turns seeing what it's like to turn around and fold your arms and just fall backwards, trusting that your partner is going to catch you. Mm. Now, of course, you have to be paired well. I wouldn't advise the 100-pound man to pair up with the 300-pound man. <laughs> there might be an issue <laughs> upon impact. But if you pair yourself up wisely and say, okay, now you turn around and close your eyes, Bob, James is going to catch you. And depending upon how James and Bob have been getting along, uh, Bob may or may not be more eager to turn around. He said, well, I don't know. We just had an argument. <laughs> I don't know if I actually want to do that right now. But when we're talking about trust, that image gives us the prescription of how we need to act with God. Someone said to me once, you need to learn to relax in the arms of Jesus. I said, wow, what does that mean? He said, you're too wound up. You're, you're, you're working too hard. Relax in him. Don't relax behind the steering wheel. No, relax in Christ. You see, I often say to people, I don't worry. I've said so much to people at my job laugh because they know as soon as they say, oh, don't worry about it, they know what I'm going to say next. I don't worry. Oh, yeah, 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 I know you. I don't. I really don't. Either God's got me or, he's, or he doesn't. Either he has me or he has not. Amen. And if I've trusted in him and trusting in him, why should I now worry? The next element that we're looking at is about relational life with God. It is the next step after salvation. I believed in him. I've had faith in him. I've come to Jesus. Now I have to live every day with trust. You may or may not have ever joined a company or a team or been a part of a group. And shortly thereafter, you would say, do I really want to be part of this group? Do I really want to be a part of this team? Do I really want to work at this facility? Do I really? And you begin to, to, to second guess or look at your allegiance where you're having a, a trust issue. Do I really want to be in this place right now? Check your own place. Trust is that leaning on God, that yielding to God of the will and the emotions. Trust is that, Lord, I'm placing everything in your hands. Hallelujah. Not some, everything. And how can I signpost myself to know I've actually trusted in God? I only have discussions with God about issues, not worry, not stress, not anxiety, 
not sleepless nights. No. We can talk about anything. Amen. I have often said, because God taught me to say, there is always a way. Somehow, somewhere, there is a way Amen. to do whatever it is. Mm. Doesn't matter. Many scientists have said the same thing. They weren't quoting after God, but they caught the principle. There is always a way. You may not know it. Somewhere, if you're thinking it, somewhere in the world, someone else has thought it. <laughs> it may strike your ego. It may annoy you, but that's just the truth. Because the Bible says there is no new thing under the sun. That's what the Bible says. Now, the Bible would have to be lying if that were the opposite. It says there's no new thing under the sun. But that which has been is that which shall be. And for those who are not reading their Bibles, they would know that that's even in there. God has concluded the whole matter. The human genome was already mapped. It was mapped by Jehovah. Man stumbled upon it and said, oh, we've discovered the human genome. We can map sequence DNA. Thanks for catching up. <laughs> Psalms 25, 2 through 4. Oh, my God, mm. I trust in thee. Yeah. Let me not be ashamed. Let not my enemies triumph over me. Yea, let none that wait on thee be ashamed. Let them be ashamed which transgress without cause. Show me thy ways, O Lord. Teach me thy paths. God, you can pray that prayer every single day. Psalms 25, 2-4. Simple prayer. You should get up in the morning saying, Father, I trust in you. Let me not be ashamed today. Let me not lean on anything except you. Amen. Don't let the enemy see me falling down. Let me stand up in you. Amen. That's someone who's trusting in God. Not Amen. trusting in self. Oh, I can do this. I got this, Jesus. Sit down. Take a break. I got this. No. <laughs> Someone who's saying, I need you, Lord, to go before me to lead me in the way. Amen. Psalms 37, 3 and 4. Trust in the Lord and do good. That's the conjunction. And do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. That's your prosperity. That's your food. That's your clothing. That's your finances. That's your household income. What? You will be fed. How? Trusting in the Lord. Amen. Not worrying. Not with anxiety. Not scheming, wheeling, and dealing, and cutting deals. No. Trusting in the Lord. Amen. If you follow God's economic principles, you will never fail. Amen. Verse 4, delight thyself also in the Lord, mm. and he shall give thee mm. the desires of thine heart. Yes. What is the desires of your heart? What's down inside of you? If you want what God wants, you are guaranteed to receive it. If you're wanting something else, you're on your own chasing that thing. But if you're desiring what God is desiring, you are guaranteed to receive it. That's a part of trust, ladies and gentlemen. When I'm trusting in God, I am guaranteed to receive everything I need. When I came into the UK, the Lord said by his spirit, 
You will have everything you need when you need it. Now my options were to believe him or doubt him. And since I have believed him, and every time that I believe him, and yes, there are times where I do stray away in doubt, and he corrects me, brings me right back to what he originally said, you will have everything you need when you need it. Put your faith in me. Put your trust also in me. And I will give you the desires of your heart. Hallelujah. Psalms 118 and 8 and 9. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. Some people are very, very, how can I say, they like to name drop. Oh, yeah, I met uh, so-and-so, and they named a famous person. Oh, yeah, I went out with uh, so-and-so, and they named another famous person. And they think, oh, because I'm in this circle of so-called famous persons, that somehow raises my profile. Mm. God said, that's foolishness. Amen. Don't put your confidence in those human links. Can I go this way? Give me the name. I'll give you a sheet of paper to write it down if you'd like to. Give me the name of any person that you know that won't die. I'll be happy to take their name. As soon as you think of it. So that settles that issue then. So every person that you can name is someone who's going off the planet at some point. So why would you trust them? Or trust in them? Or put more confidence in what they say? than what God is saying. Why would you look at any person and say, that person has more of my attention than God does? Obedience, the next and final word. So faith, trust, obedience, all are linked together. They come together and they create a power within the believer's life that when walking in these ways, Having faith in God, trust in God, and then finally, obedience. It's the capstone of all this other effort. It's no good to have faith in God if you don't obey God. Amen. It's no good to say, I trust you, Lord. I trust you, but I'm not going to do anything you tell me to do. He kind of blew it there. After placing our complete faith in God, after leaning on him, our entire weight and trust upon him. We must, at the end of the day, we must obey Amen. the Lord of all things. It, it is beyond my comprehension how an intelligent person can look at this equation and think they can take any one of those three things away and be successful as a Christian. It is impossible. You cannot live without faith as a believer. You cannot live and have a relationship can you have a relationship with someone you don't trust? How can you have a relationship with someone you don't trust? You can have a knowledge of that person. You can acknowledge that person. But if you're going to walk in intimacy with someone, you have to have trust. I tell you, oh, my dear friend, uh, I'll meet you at 9 o'clock at such and such a place. And I'll never show up. Again, and again, and again. And you're saying, you know, next time he tells me that, <laughs> I'm just going to smile and say, God bless you, and give a good wave, because I know you're not going to do what you say. 
God is consistent 100% of the time. He's worthy of my trust. He's worthy of my faith. And if I can work out those two things, I must add the last component. He is also worthy of me obeying him. Through his ability in us, we can obey God's will. No one can tell me they can't do the will of God. That is a lie from the devil. Every person who wants to can do the will of God. It is based on the knowledge. What is the knowledge? What is the knowledge of your neighbor? What is the knowledge of your mother, your father, your, your husband or your wife? How did you arrive with that knowledge of that person? Well, you arrived at it in several ways. You talk to them. You spend time with them. Whatever amount of time that may be, there's something about exposure to a human being that gives you a, a knowledge of their ways. You know what they like to eat. You know what they like to watch. You know what they like to wear. Because that proximity, spending time with them, gives you an exposure to knowledge. When you spend time with God, you learn his ways. Amen. You learn what he likes and what he does not like. When you read his words, you see what he considers to be sin and what he considers to be all right. You start taking his side of the story and not the side of the other guy. Whatever God says it is, that's what it is. So you dwell with him and the knowledge of him grows. So should your obedience grow. The more you know to do, the more you should do. I would, I would again, I, I ask these questions, but they are rhetorical. I already know the answers to them, but I ask nonetheless. You're sitting with someone who says, I love you. Yet they do the opposite of everything they know about you that you like or want. You would have to question that. Say, well, how can that be love if you're doing the exact opposite of what you know I like and prefer? You go to any nominal restaurant. There's a, a, a piece of a paper, a, a card, uh, a sheet. There's something there on that table or brought to you by the waiter, waitress, someone will bring you a what to look at? Menu. Ah, a menu. But I've got some folks who've been out at least once out of the cave. She bring you a menu and they say, what will you have? What do you want? And then they take your order. Now, having done that, having come to your table, smiled at you, asked you your delight, your pleasure, recorded everything you say, they go away, and they come back with a stuffed artichoke. And if that's not what you've ordered, I repeat myself, if that's not what you've ordered, your opinion of them will be what? How could you have come here, taken all this time, recorded everything I said that I want, you knew, and then you read it back to me, that you, that you recorded accurately what I said I wanted, and you go away and you bring me the exact opposite. You could, I'm just talking about on a human level. You can see yourself saying, I don't get it. Was I not speaking the right language? Was it not clear what I said I wanted? 
Why would someone do that? Now, if you as a human being can understand my logic when I'm saying that, go up about seven zillion miles higher and say, what does God think about us? When we open the Bible, literally read what it says, close it, go out the door and do the exact opposite of what you just read. Did you not understand it? Did you not get what I was saying when I said? Mm. Now, in the beginning of my young Christian life, I understood that there are forces and elements out in the world to prevent me from keeping the word of God. They are elements and there are agents of the enemy, I would say Satan, loosed for the express purpose of preventing a person from going rightly on their way. But having now spent time with Christ, spent time with God, understood the kingdom and how it works, I would be very, very, very responsible if I now went and did the opposite of what God is saying. I have every foreknowledge and every knowledge of his word and zero excuses. Mm. You see, truth brings you into a level of responsibility which is tied to obedience. So it is expected that the more you learn about God and what pleases him, what? The more you do that which pleases him. In the Old Testament, 1 Samuel 15, 22, is recorded, and Samuel said, Hath the Lord so great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices? As in obeying the voice of the Lord? This is a question he was asking to Saul. Those who've read the story know that Saul was disobedient to a direct instruction from God and did the exact opposite. And Samuel was asking him as a prophet, you're making excuses for your disobedience. You're doing what God doesn't want you to do and you're justifying it. That's the other thing, making excuses and justifying it. And God has clearly said, I want you to do this thing. Behold, to obey is better than the sacrifice or the excuse or the justification that you're offering. Someone said, well, I went to church one time and they treated me bad and the persons were rude and I didn't like it. So I've just kind of given up on that. And I'm asking the question, so you're giving up on God because a couple of humans treated you wrong? And many people do this. Yes. Oh, I had a bad experience at church. Well, that, that church and that experience is not God. No. That church and that experience is not Jesus. Jesus wants his own personal relationship with you. It has nothing to do with those people in a building somewhere. And if you think you're going to use someone as an excuse to somehow bypass what God's want, you are very, very much mistaken. Yes. God wants a relationship with you, not based upon how you enter a building. Please hear that part. Luke six forty six. And why call ye me Lord, Lord? This is for the Christians. <laughs> why call ye me Lord, Lord? And do not the things which I say. Mm. Jesus asked this question very pointedly. He was not beating around the bush. He was not being vague. He was not using innuendo. He says, there is no purpose in you calling me Lord. Mm. 
while being disobedient to what I'm saying. Save your breath. Save your money. Save your time. I know people who will not obey God's word who still give tithes and offerings. They dare not miss putting money in a basket, but they will not obey the Lord when they walk out of the door. And they think because I've thrown money in a container that it's okay to disobey the Lord. Even the prophet said, it is better to obey than to sacrifice. Amen. There's no point in calling him Lord. You know what that word means? To be Lord? To, if Jesus is your Lord, that means everything in you bows to him. If he is your Lord, your tongue is a slave to his command. Amen. Your mind, your thoughts, they belong to him if he is your Lord. Are you seeing this? So obedience is the capstone faith, trust, obedience. The Bible says finally, in our last reference, 2 Corinthians 10.5, mm. casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, anything that rises up intellectually, if it is against the knowledge of God, cast it down. If it's an imagination, a thought in your mind, if it opposes God, throw it down. Amen. Anything you hear on television, anything you read in a book, Amen. in a newspaper, that you hear at the bus stop. Yes. If it is against the knowledge of God, throw it down. Amen. Cast it down. Do not let it stand in your mind. I heard three people speaking. I heard a group over there talking. What were they talking about? They were talking about a uh, man came from a monkey and that uh, Jesus was just a fictional character. Throw that thing down. Amen. I reject that. This rubbish. Amen. Nothing. If it is against God, cast it down. Finally, ladies and gentlemen, we come to something that causes eyebrows to raise. In truth, these three elements belong to the children of faith. They conspire to make our relationship with Christ strong. We are challenged to draw close to God every single day. These elements ensure that we will reach this goal. FTO, faith, trust, obedience. They play the, the daily decision-making process for us. Every day they come into play. And the opposite is true, that every excuse for inaction, every excuse for not doing the will of God, every excuse for not executing the will of God can be traced back to a lack of exercising one of these three elements. The man on the screen you see, for those listening online and listening to the podcast, is a man by the name of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He says, if I sit next to a, a madman as he drives a car into a group of innocent bystanders, I can't, as a Christian, simply wait for the catastrophe, then comfort the wounded and bury the dead. I must try to wrestle the steering wheel 
out of the hands of the driver. This man not just only made that statement and several other quotes you can see from the reference there. Let me tell you a little bit about him. We chose him lastly because today is Memorial Sunday. Many persons paused at 11 o'clock, the 11th hour on the 11th day to recognize the sacrifices men and women made during the Great War. Two minutes silence was observed today. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a German pastor and theologian, born the 4th of February in 1906. He was an anti-Nazi dissident. He was a key founder of the Confessing Church. In his writings on Christianity's role in the secular world, listen, in the secular world, they've become influential. His book entitled The Cost of Discipleship has been described as a modern classic. Apart from his theological writings, Bonhoeffer was known for his staunch resistance to Nazi dictatorship, including vocal opposition to Hitler's euthanasia program and genocidal persecution of the Jews. He was arrested in April 1943 by the Gestapo and imprisoned at Tegel Prison for one and a half years. Later, he was transferred to a Nazi concentration camp after being accused of being associated with the July the 20th plot to assassinate Adolf Hitler. He was quickly tried along with other accused plotters, including former members of the Abawar, the German military intelligence office, then executed by hanging on the 9th of April, 1945, as the Nazi regime was collapsing. So beyond talking the talk, this man walked the walk, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. His statement rings with me that you have to do more than just watch it all happen. You have to risk your own life to save the lives of others. Faith, trust, and obedience are all ingredients that get you to that mindset. Persons who are not having faith in God are not going to risk their lives. Persons who are not having trust in God are not going to risk their lives. And certainly persons who are not obedient, they will never risk anything for God. Can we stand together? Father, in the name of Jesus, let the FTO be over the church, over the people of God, over those who are hearing for the first time, maybe some of these tenets of faith. Let us live, Daddy God, according to your word. Yes, Lord. With faith in you, trust in you, and most of all, obedience to you. Mm -hmm. Let our lives reflect our relationship with you. Yes, Whether at work or at school, in the stores or markets or walking down the street, let us reflect that we have faith, that yes. we have trust, and we have obedience in God. Let it be our marker, as it was with this pastor, Bonhoeffer, giving his life, Daddy God, 
to say I will not simply stand by and watch a madman run over people. I will get involved. I will take a stand. We pray for every person listening and hearing this message to open their hearts to Jesus Christ, to receive him as their Savior and as their true Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Find your neighbor, find your friend, and tell them, practice the F-T-O.